For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Green, are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good Monday morning, Eagles fans. Appreciate you streaming on in here to Birds 365. You got your Mac and Mac guys. And yes, I will explain the look of one of the two Mac and Mac guys here in just a second. Uh, But thank you very much for tuning in. The playoffs have finally arrived. Got underway this weekend and the Eagles now know who they'll be facing next Saturday night. That would be Big Blue, the New York Giants. John McBone and Jody McDonald here to talk about it all week long, leading up to the big game on Saturday night versus Big Blue. Uh, and yes, yours truly is a little Big Blue today. Actually, it's a little more purple than blue. Uh, do not adjust your uh, computer screens or TV, however you're taking in Birds 365 this morning. Uh, you know, I missed the show last week. I was out Thursday. I had to have surgery done. Uh, removal of some skin cancer on the top of my noggin. And uh, I was here Friday. The swelling of my face did not begin till Friday afternoon. And it just continued over the course of the weekend. So uh, much like the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm here to play through pain. It's the playoffs. You don't take yeah. downtime during the playoffs. Can't you take play off, through baby. injury. Lane Johnson playing through injury. We appreciate it, Jody. Uh, but yeah, you look like the the mighty giants beating up on that great Vikings defense. Uh, oh my god! And me getting beat up on Twitter. By the way, for the people on Twitter, yeah, I've heard it's hard to beat a team three times. You don't have to tell me that again. It's such a trope. I'm so tired of it. This is the best Are case scenario. Are people still beating that into the ground despite oh. the fact that it's just not factual? Yeah, not factual. It's like a psyop, Jody. It's been told to people so many times. They buy into it. 
And by the way, if you want to look at it this way, they haven't even played each other uh, twice because the Giants didn't play anybody right. in game two. It's it's the most absurd uh, uh, narrative there's out there. So I've heard it. I don't need to hear it again. Believe me, it's one of the oldest tropes in the NFL. As Jody points out, it's not even factual. Home teams who've done it are, are like 12 and 6. Uh, and that's remember, it's always in the playoffs. Um, so it's generally good team against good team. So that 667 winning percentage is even more amplified because of that. It never happens when you, you play a, a bad team three times. So uh, it's an old trope. Nobody stops talking about it. I said it last week. Best case scenario, first round, New York Giants for the Eagles. They've owned this team for years. Now it's different. Brian Dayball's done a tremendous job. He deserves all the credit. I think he's coach of the year. Sorry, Nick. You, you know how much I like you, but I think he's done the most with the least. But, yeah, I mean, that Minnesota defense, it, it's not the worst. I think Detroit was the worst. I think they beat them by about 16 yards. But at least Detroit had Aiden Hutchinson. That's the worst defense in football. And and Eagles fans got to see, because they play the same scheme as the Eagles, same scheme. They got to see the difference of playing it well versus playing it poorly. And it, it, I, I hope they watch that game because – that didn't look like the Eagles' defense. Not uh, even so, close. Yeah. The, and the back seven of the Eagles, a tad bit better than the back seven New York saw in Minnesota. And, oh, by the way, the uh, potential three-game sweep in any given season with the 49ers win over the Seahawks this week, it is now, if the home team is hosting that third game and looking to go 3-0, 13 and 6. 13. So it's even better oh, than yeah. 16 and 7 yeah. because San Francisco already did it this year. I forgot they team. did it. So, yes, 13 and 6. Let's knock it up another, and we'll knock it up another number on Saturday night. What I'm most upset about is, of course, it's Saturday night, Jody. Ah, 8 15 game. But oh, it is you, what you it wanted is. Uh, the earlier game? Ah, uh, yes. Because you knew it was going to be Saturday. As soon as the yeah. Giants won, you yes. knew it was going to be Eagle Giants. Uh, Tampa and uh, the Cowboys play tonight. They weren't going to make them play in a short week. That game was no, uh, absolutely. You knew not. it was going to be the winner of that game was going to be playing on Sunday, which meant the other two teams had to play on Saturday night or on Saturday. Could have been afternoon or night. Eagles are prime time. New York versus Philadelphia. Market size. There was yeah. no question in my mind that if the Eagles were playing on Saturday. It was going to be the Saturday night game, much to the chagrin of my partner. Yeah, I, I kind of knew it too. But when you see it, when it comes out, it hurts. And, you know, the, the Chiefs are the early game. So you start, I mean, market size is understandable, no question about it. But the NFL has sort of overcome market size. So the marquee teams, Kansas City being one of them, I mean, they're going to get big ratings uh, no matter what. Uh, but yeah, the odds were the Eagles. The odds were always the Eagles were going to play on Saturday night because they're the number one seed. They're a very popular team, and as you mentioned, uh, they're not going to screw over the Monday night team uh, and, and make them play uh, uh, screw them out of another day when the teams had a bye week. So it was always pretty clear that's the way it was going to be. But yeah, kind of a punch in the face uh, 
probably a bad thing to say today, but punch yeah, in the thanks, face for me. Thanks for that, John. Yeah, eight, eight, that eight, eight fifteen for me. For me and me alone. It's which I actually wasn't punched in the face. Uh, I'm blaming it on the wife. I'm saying there was some <laughs> violence in the house, uh, but that's not the case. My wife's taking pretty damn good care of me. As a matter of fact, I better choose my words very carefully. Um, yeah, it does look like I've taken a beating this weekend, but I haven't much like the Eagles just sat back and enjoyed the football. And Johnny Mac, I got to tell you, on my CBS show over the weekend, the grassy knoll crew is out. The conspiracy theorists. Oh, the referees, these games oh, are fixed. Well, yeah. uh, why do they favor the home teams? And, you know, I liked all the home teams. I thought the home teams could go 6-0. Uh, and oh. They only went 4-1 and one with the uh, Giants beating the Vikings, the only game. But you had an upset in there with Doug Peterson. I guess they're out to the refs and the league are out to screw the Chargers. Not the fact that the Chargers have been chokers their entire uh, existence in the National Football League and choked it away again. Oh, no, this is all one big setup to get what the NFL wants for uh, TV ratings. And it was funny because the guy actually called and asked and said, why would the NFL uh, dictate a team be up 27 nothing? Don't they know that people tuned out of that game? I said, you really believe that the NFL is the WWE, that it's pre-scripted, that they why already have the it NFL figured dictate? out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I got I got calls like that both days this weekend. It just boggles my mind that people uh, can't handle the truth, as some famous actor once said in the movie, uh, that it is uh, competitive and they, they each team is taking a shot and getting to a Super Bowl. And even though they were very different games this weekend and we got one more left to go tonight, they were all pretty damn exciting. Uh, the only team that really won yeah. the way they were supposed to win was San Francisco, which... Johnny Mac, I hope you're uh, going to give uh, Brock Purdy a little bit more credit. Uh, here yeah, that's going to be uh, not as much as most people. I'll, I'll say that. But I, I, I'll get to Brock Purdy. He did not play well in the first half. San Francisco did not. And then, obviously, they came on in the second half. And he deserves a ton of credit. Here's what I'll say about Brock Purdy. He's better than Jimmy Garoppolo ever was. Yeah. So while while people point to and it's all right with Kyle Shanahan and and, and the best play schemer in the NFL, or if he's not, he's second to Andy Reid. Um, the playmakers are unbelievable. Uh, the, the Debo Sam Christian McCaffrey is one of the greatest in season pickups in NFL history. Um, he is such a good player when he's healthy, and he's been healthy. Um, and and Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he didn't have. Christian, but you get the point. They made him run to the Super Bowl. You know, I picked the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl because my assumption is Trey Lance, my assumption was Trey Lance would be a little bit better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's all you need to be with that team. Mm -hmm. uh, he got hurt and he wasn't playing that well anyway. Uh, so it went in a different direction. Brock Purdy has, has been the one who's been a little bit better uh, than Jimmy Garoppolo. So as a seventh-round pick, he deserves all the credit in the world for playing at that level. You saw Skylar Con – I don't know how Miami was in that game, by the way, but Josh Allen turnovers, you know, too many mistakes for Buffalo. Mike McDaniel, by the way, we got to talk about that guy. What a disaster. I mean, get the play in for the third-string quarterback. They had to burn timeout after timeout after timeout. They were out of timeouts, and then he does it again, and they get a delay a game. That was a disastrous performance that, again, points CEO coach 
Owners out there looking for coaches, CEO coach, CEO coach, don't get bogged down with play callers except, for the except, 700th time. Except you like Kyle Shanahan. I do like Kyle Shanahan. And I'm well, not should, saying, he, should he become an offensive coordinator because he's so good at scheming and calling plays? Can't be a coach and a uh, no. What you do? With, yeah, what would yeah, you do yeah. with Kyle Shanahan? And by the way, Kyle Shanahan has had a, a numerous game management issues over over the years. So has Andy Reid. By the way, uh, what they should do is what Nick Sirianni has done, and show enough confidence to build up the game plan during the week, which is what you do anyway, and 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 have enough confidence to delegate it so that your guy is going to call what you want in that situation. That's what that big play sheet is for. It's right there. Now you got to have a feel for it. And if you want to and, and if you want to call something at a certain time, all you got to do is flip it over the communication channel and say, hey, let's run this. You could still do it. You could still do it at certain points of the game. But I think it's evident, especially evident with young coaches. And Andy's going first ballot Hall of Famer. And I think everybody in Philadelphia, the first thing will say, time management, time. And guess what? At times they're right because he got bogged down with play calling. And and Andy's given up play calling at times over the years. Uh, and he's gotten closer to it. But I advocate to all NFL owners. That's just my little soapbox. And Mike McDaniel was a perfect example of it. But getting back to Brock Purdy, your original question, I'm getting too wordy. He deserves all the credit in the world, but I'm not scared of him. I'm sorry. I'm not scared. If I'm the Philadelphia Eagles, bring it on. Bring it on. The shoe's coming. That These teams aren't good enough to take advantage of it. He had four overthrows. There were a couple times where there should have been interceptions. Seattle didn't take advantage of it. All you got to do is take advantage of it. Johnny Mack, I've been doing this for a while, and I remember this conversation the last time I had it on the air uh, in 1999 when people continued to say, yeah, but he's Kurt Warner. I'm not afraid of him. Bring on Kurt Warner. He's a He was in the Arena League. Uh, he was playing in NFL Europe. Kurt Warner can't keep doing this. Kurt Warner can't uh, continue. I was probably one of those people. I was probably one of those people. Had that that season play out for Kurt Warner? Hey, I I do not see, and and I'm telling I'm telling you right here, Jody. I was probably one of those people. I don't remember, but I certainly didn't believe in Kurt Warner. But but after it, and now it's hindsight, obviously. Kurt Warner had tremendous, tremendous arm talent you know i didn't know it at the time i don't think anybody knew it i don't think dick Vermeil knew it uh, that, that's not what i see here i mean this is debo samuel running wide open for a seven yard reception and then going 70 on top of it kurt warner's throwing the football down the field on a dime to isaac bruce and, and tory holt there is a big big difference and i freely admit as i said i will raise my hand in 1999, I probably said the same thing. I didn't believe right. in Kurt Warner because I knew nothing about Kurt Warner. And I didn't know that much about Brock Purdy. But I've watched him. And again, seven yards in Debo taking at 70 is not the same of throwing it like a dime down the field on the greatest show on turf. Understood. But I'll, I'll guarantee, and you and I didn't know each other in 1999, you weren't evaluating go, wow, Kurt Warner's got arm talent after four games, after eight games, after 12 games. 
it was Kurt Warner at some point the cookies got to crumble and it's got to stop. Oh yeah, and it I'm and it never really did. So that. you you don't recognize the arm talent after just however many games you did on Kurt Warner, and maybe you won't do that for Brock Purdy either. The guy just keeps winning games. He's now seven and zero, and they're averaging thirty five points a game in the games that he's starting, which is off the charts good. Nobody else is doing that in the National Football League. I am legitimately scared. Eagles are going to beat the Giants this week. I think it could be competitive. I think Dayball has done a phenomenal job. I think Daniel Jones is an improving quarterback under a legitimate offensive head coach, which he hasn't had his time here in New York. So I don't think the Eagles are just going to throw up, roll their helmets out on the field and and crush the Giants by four touchdowns. But I do think over the course of 60 minutes, the better football team is going to win and the Philadelphia Eagles are the better football team. But I'm legitimately scared by uh, Brock Purdy for the NFC champion. Well, I'm legitimately scared of the 49ers because the 49ers have the best team in football. I hate to say that, but I've been on that bandwagon through the preseason. Uh, uh, from they, they are tough. They are physical. They are. They have the best offensive scheme. They have the best defense. Um, they are really good from top to bottom. I'm. I'm worried about that part of it. I'm not worried about the mechanism that Kyle Shanahan is holding his hand. I'm not worried about that. That's a break. That's a break. Maybe it's not a break. Maybe that's wrong because Jimmy stinks. Jimmy Garoppolo. He's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. So they're 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 even a little bit more dangerous. But to use your example, if Kurt Warner was there, yeah, then I'd be like, uh, I didn't even care if they're coming on the road. You're you're in trouble. I don't get that right. feeling. I don't get that feeling. And maybe but, I'm wrong, but I don't get that feeling. You're not wrong, but you're doing revisionist history. You no, now I'm look doing at hindsight. Kurt, I saw Kurt Warner. I freely admit that. I, I, I understand, but you're uh, either you're not picking up on my point or I'm not making it well. I'm not talking about Kurt Warner, the finished product. We now know Kurt Warner. We know the career he had. He's got a gold jacket. We know all of that. And you look at Kurt Warner in that way. I'm talking about Kurt Warner as he's doing what he was doing in 1999. And I'm not saying I'm predicting Brock Purdy is going to the Hall of Fame. All I'm saying is there are a lot of people out there, and I uh, probably spend too much time on social media, uh, Brock Purdy's not going to be able to do this to Eagles. Brock Purdy's not coming into Lincoln Financial Field. At some point, the Brock Purdy is going to crash and burn. Be careful what you ask for, because all this guy has done is win. And it's not two games now. It's not four. It's not six. It's seven games that he's gone undefeated and put up an average of 35 points in that very good, very talented San Francisco offense that Kyle Shanahan runs to perfection. Uh, So if you're clinging to this Brock Purdy at some point, the cookie must crumble. I don't know if it's going to, John. Well, I would say it's on the road. It's not going to be at home. And I and, and I would say this: the Eagles. I don't want to go past the Giants, but I'm like you. They're going to yeah. Beat come the on, Giants. let's go right past the Giants. They're, they're going to beat, gonna beat gonna the be, Giants. We're going to beat the Giants to the Forty Niners. Let's be honest: they're going to beat the Giants, and the Forty ers are going to beat Dallas or or the Bucks. Uh, and that's probably where we're going to be a, a week from now. We're going to amp it up, and we're going to talk about it. And I will say. Oh, the Eagles better tackle on that day because that's the concern. That's the concern because it's going to be the underneath stuff. It's going to be Debo, Brandon, IU go make plays in the open field. Christian McCaffrey as well. And guess what? George Kittle as well. I mean, those guys can make plays. Those guys can make plays. So 
if they have a tackling game like they had against Detroit in week one, oh, they're in trouble. That, that to me, is going to be the most important part of that game. All right, give up the reception, but you better tackle. You better tackle well in that game. That, that to me, a, is going to be the key. That's an on-point, astute, uh, astute observation. But the Eagles have been a much better tackling team. Oh, they have. They've gotten much better. Over yeah. the course of the season, you talk about a team that's improved, and that's what you want to do anytime you're putting a team together. You start at a certain point. You just want to get better over the course of the season. And I don't know that I would even say that about the Eagles because of the Jalen Hurts injury. It's so tough to evaluate, uh, but they certainly didn't finish up as strong as they had other sections of the season. But I think their tackling has just gotten better basically all year long. Um, so if that's going to be the difference maker against San Francisco, that could be a good thing because I actually think the Eagles have become one of the better tackling teams in the entire National Football League. I'm McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac guys. Get ready for it. Eagles-Giants coming up on Saturday. We'll be here the next five days to highlight it for you, break it down for you, give you insight on it, and we will tap into our many good guests that we've gotten over the years Returning to the team, a little bit. Well, all right, I can tell he's in uh, the waiting room. He looks better than I do, and that's not saying much on a regular day. But on this day, it's saying absolutely nothing. Uh, but he also a little under the weather. Good to get him back in the mix. Uh, Ed, non-COVID Kratz is going to join us next here on Birds 365. I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soga now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. 
Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Gone with the wild card, so now we look ahead to the next round of the playoffs. The first round of the playoffs for the Eagles, and we know the opponents. Big Blue, New York Giants, here to give us some insight on where the Eagles sit right now. Is one of the best in the business. He does it for SI with Johnny Mac. Our buddy Ed Cratch jumps aboard here on uh, Birds Three Sixty Five. Ek, how you feeling? Oh, getting there, Jody. Getting there. Slow and steady, baby. Yeah, this is a big test, Brad. Uh, getting yeah. up early. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, and and you look good, buddy. <clears throat> Thanks, appreciate that. <clears throat> yeah, that, just, makes, uh... that makes two of you. So uh, you're, you're <clears throat> yeah. not going to get any sympathy from me, Kratz. Um, All right, but thank. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know if you've heard this, Ed, uh, but it's hard to beat a team three times in the playoffs. Um, the Eagles will have to do that in the divisional round against the mighty New York Giants. Is it even possible to do something like that? Because I've heard on social media, it's really, really, really difficult. <laughs> well, it's the first time <clears throat> I think the Eagles are playing a team that they have already beaten twice in their in their history. Yes. Um, if I'm reading that correctly, I think I've seen that from a couple different outlets. So uh, that's that's a first if they can do it. Um, you know, <clears throat> I think it's hard to beat a team twice <clears throat> in the same year. And the Eagles have uh, struggled to do that. You know, when they played Washington a second time and Dallas a second time, and now here they are with New York a third time. And that second one really doesn't count because the Giants didn't play anybody. Exactly. exactly. <clears throat> so just I think that familiarity does make it a little more difficult. I don't know if it has to do with playing the same team two or three times, but I just think playing this team, this Giants team, and if it would have been Dallas, and it still might be Dallas two weeks down the line, uh, just that familiarity because they're in the same division and they play each other twice every single year is what could make this a pretty ver- uh, very good test for the Eagles. And a lot of these stats and, and trends are based on history. And the further you get away from uh, the date that you're on, the less uh, water it holds. They beat them twice this year. You're right. Only in the second game didn't really mean a lot because the Giants were playing second and or third team players in some <laughs> spots. So you could pretty much throw that one out. They beat the snot out of the Giants six weeks ago in their house by more than three touchdowns. How did the Giants overcome something like that? Well, I, you know, I think that game is water under the bridge at this point. You know, they're, you could say it's only six weeks ago, but these are two different teams now. Jalen Hurts was healthy 
in that game. He's not going to be healthy. Lane Johnson was healthy. He's not going to be healthy. And the Giants are playing with a lot of confidence, especially after going into Minnesota and playing a really, really good game. I was really surprised at how well they played, to be honest. They came out cooking and, and didn't let Minnesota really get back into it. I mean, I know the Vikings tied it and everything, and then the, and then the Giants took the lead. But I, I just think they're two different teams at this point. You know, I know it was just last month that they played and the Eagles tattooed them 48 to 22. Uh, they scored on their first three possessions, touchdowns. Uh, but the Eagles haven't been that same team since then, and now they're a little banged up, and that's that's cause for concern. Yeah, and that's the biggest concern, obviously. I, I think, yeah, it's it's really and, – and we know Lane Johnson's going to play, but we have to see how effective he can be playing through that uh, core muscle tear, which is in his groin, the, ad, the adductor. Yeah. Um, get it right for uh, Dr. Jess. Um but Jalen Hurts to me is 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 the biggest issue, and not he's going to play as well. But to me, it's are the Eagles going to limit him uh, because they're concerned about the shoulder injury? Very similar to the Week 18 game against the Giants, where I think a lot of people said, "Well, the Eagles went vanilla because they might play the Giants," and a lot of people argued they probably would play the Giants, and it turned out to be that uh, correct. But I don't think it was a vanilla. It's just, they just took the zone read out of the offense. And they took the zone read out of the offense because they wanted to protect the quarterback. If they have to continue in that vein, then I think things get much muddier offensively for the Eagles. I don't think it has anything to do with other than taking the biggest threat of the offense out of the offense. Is that a concern for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're taking out really most, or not most, but probably half of Jalen Hurts' game, and that's the zone read, the ability to beat another team with his legs. And we didn't see the Eagles do any of that inside the red zone. And it could be a game plan where, hey, we're not going to just, you know, not run the zone read, but we're going to pick our spots to do it. And maybe those spots are inside the red zone uh, where they might take kind of the wraps off of him. Um, and I guess it's just going to be a pain tolerance thing with Jalen. I mean, there, listen, there's no more tomorrows, right? I mean, you almost have to go in with a game plan with no restrictions because if you lose, you're not going to play the next day, obviously. Yeah. And if you win and your quarterback's a little banged up, then, then you cross that bridge at that time. So, you know, if it was me, I would probably just go in with no restrictions in the game plan, but the Eagles might decide that, Hey, we're going to pick our spots to do the zone read to protect them a little bit, but, you know, maybe take the wraps off at times when they really feel like they need to, because to me, this offense can't operate without Jalen Hurts' legs being a part of it. Ed, when will we know, and we won't know until after the game when we get to actually ask the participants, Jalen Hurts, Shane uh, Steichen, and uh, Nick Sirianni, but when will we have a pretty firm grasp in our own mind as to how much restrictions are put on Jalen Hurts. Is there a juncture? Is there a type of play call? Is there anything that in the first quarter we could see and say, all right, there are no restrictions? Or we say, uh-oh, they're calling it the same way they did when these two teams played two weeks ago. Is there any telltale sign that you think you'll be able to pick up on? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, it, it could be like I, I watched some of this Rocky Marathon while I've been quarantining here at home, and, you know, I – when Rocky, when they came out, he was a left-handed fighter. And then they switched up to being a righty, like halfway through the fight uh, to kind of throw off Apollo. 
Mm-hmm. I'd like to see the Eagles maybe do that, you know, kind of play it a little vanilla. And then at some point, like in the second quarter or whatever, yeah. okay, let's start using the zone read. Let's throw them off, you know, off balance a little bit. You know, I'd kind of like to see that approach, but I don't know if there'll be a telltale sign. I mean, if they start doing it in the first quarter, then I don't think they're going to stop doing it in the second and third quarter, unless Jalen hurts his shoulders, really killing him. Um, but I would kind of like to see that as hey, we're going to come out. We're going to do our thing without Jalen being too much involved and then bam, switch up mid game and, and start hitting him with the legs of hurts. All right. Uh, typically I, I uh, crap on the Giants a little bit because I don't think they're uh, a very, good team from a playoff perspective. I think Brian Dayball's done a tremendous job. Obviously they're a good team. I just don't think they're, you know, at the level of the, the top tier playoff teams like the Eagles and and San Francisco. Uh, But I give Wink Martindale a lot of credit in that game yesterday, because we all know Wink's reputation blitz, blitz, blitz. He's going to blitz from the buses. He didn't blitz much because he was savvy enough to know he could get home with four bad offensive line that was missing two starters on top of it um, needed to, to bracket Justin Jefferson. You can't just give him go balls with, with that blitz. Um, so he, he changed and, and went away from his, his typical modus operandi. Does that go back to blitzing from the buses because of Jalen Hurts' shoulder? uh on on saturday night yeah i I think with if lane johnson you know and then my concern with lane is uh we've seen games where he's tried to play through some things and he can't quite do it and he's taken out after you know five six snaps or ten snaps and and you know kind of ruining the continuity there that's kind of my concern is he'll he'll start but i don't know if he'll finish um because of that adductor tear um, but with the Eagles offensive line being still one of the best in the NFL, I mean, I think Wink's going to have to probably blitz like he always seems to do against the Eagles. I mean, it always seems like they bring an extra rusher against Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. Uh, then the Eagles leave in the block and the Eagles are going to have to account for that because I don't think Martindale's going to try to get home with his four guys. I think he's going to have to blitz uh, to put pressure on Hurts. He always does it. So I don't see him having that same game plan. I mean, the Vikings offensive line was in disarray, you know, had some injuries. Um, but the Eagles, even without Lane, if he were to kind of limp off, uh, they're still pretty good. Um, but the Eagles are going to have to figure that out because Jalen Hurts did a lot of running, uh, a lot of scrambling, a lot of, you know, didn't really have time to scan the field too much uh, in that meeting, even in round two uh, when they played their backups. So, you know, the Eagles are going to have to be ready for the blitz and they're going to have to figure it out because I think Wink Martindale is going to do it. The Giants did put up 31 points yesterday against a Viking defense. It's not very good. Uh, but Daniel Jones threw for 300 yards. That's not bad in the playoffs. When you're throwing for 300 yards against any other playoff team, that's pretty good. And yeah, they're nameless, faceless. Isaiah Hodgins and Richie, they're uh, wide receivers. Nobody knows, but they are making plays. Will the Eagles defense give enough respect to the Giants offense that has improved over the course of the year? Yeah, I, you know, Daniel Jones played a really good game. I mean, not only throwing for those 301 yards, he ran for 78. He ran, I think it was a career high 17 times yep. in the game. So 17 you know, times. I've heard that number before. <laughs> what are they trying to get him killed, Ed Kratz? <laughs> yeah, a lot of those times the field was just wide open. So, yeah, exactly. That's another thing. <laughs> you know, as much as the offense has to prepare for the 
the, the Martindale blitz, they still have on the defensive side, they're going to have to keep somebody in with an eye on Jones. I think they they might need a spy. They might need a Kaiser white to keep an eye on him to kind of make sure he doesn't kill him in the run game, because that's where he made a lot of his plays. And then when he started doing that, that really opened up the passing game. So uh, they're going to have to restrict Jones. And I, and I know, I think in that first meeting, the Eagles sacked Jones and then Tyrod Taylor, came in and they sacked them seven times. Brandon Graham had three sacks in that first meeting that the Eagles uh, beat on them. Uh, so there's no reason they can't do that again. I mean, I, I think this Giants offensive line is pretty good, but it's not great. I think the Eagles can get to Jones, but they have to make sure Jones doesn't get to them and they have to make sure he doesn't take off running, uh, you know, when he sees an open lane. They're going to have to make sure they understand where he is at all times. And if that means putting a spy on him and, you know, taking somebody out of, you know, the downfield uh, scheme, then so be it. Yeah, that and and I I would say this about Daniel Jones because I think he's played very well this year. I think uh, Brian Dayball, Mike Kapka have been tremendous for him. I think the most impressive part is he doesn't turn the football over anymore. He used right. to be a a turnover machine uh, again uh, under other coaches who didn't stress it as much. He's always had that athleticism. You remember the big run at Lincoln Financial Field where he tripped over himself. But, you know, we, we, we go back to that trope. It's hard to beat a team three times. I look at it from the other perspective. The Eagles know what Daniel Jones can do as a runner. They're more cognizant of it because they're used to playing the Giants, whereas they tend to surprise some other teams uh, when he shows up and he's more athletic and and, and better than people think. So, in some ways, I think the familiarity part of it might help the Eagles even more. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good point. And, and you're right about him uh, not turning the ball over. And, you know, listen, this is a this is a franchise on the rise. There's no doubt with Brian Dayball oh, yeah. in charge now. Uh, and, and if Mike Kafka returns, I mean, I, I would think yesterday uh, would help Mike Kafka's chances possibly for becoming a head coach uh, in this league. Um, very good offensive coordinator, but this is a team on the rise. If they get Jones some weapons that aren't named Richie James and uh, Isaiah Hodgins, and they get them, I know Daniel Bellinger is a pretty decent tight end, uh, but you know they're going to be a dangerous team, and I think they already are dangerous. But you're right, John. That familiarity could help the Eagles when it comes to Jones. I mean, they've seen this guy now uh, at least one game this year, but they've played him several times over the past few years, so. Uh, they they should be familiar with him and how he can beat you with his legs. And, and Gannon can't let that happen. He's got to make sure he beats him in the pass game, that he doesn't pick up 78 yards on the ground like he did against the Vikings. All right. I, I said this last week here on the show, even before we knew who the Eagles were going to be playing, that a potential breakout guy in the Eagles' first playoff game this year could be their tight end, Dallas Goddard. I watched TJ Hawkinson just rip the Giants to shreds yesterday. 10 receptions for 129 yards. They actually did a good job of keeping Justin Jefferson under wraps, but they had no answer for TJ Hawkinson. How big a game could Goddard have against the Giants this week? Yeah, he, he missed that first game against the Giants. He wasn't available. But again, familiarity, the Giants know who Dallas Goddard is, but do they have anybody that can cover him? And, and, and you're right seeing what Hawkinson did uh, against the Giants defense. Dallas Goddard could be uh, really 
you know, he could be a real thorn in the Giants' side if the Eagles choose to throw him the ball. But we all know, really, A.J. Smith and uh, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, you know, I, I kind of combine their names because they're really one and the same. They're two very dangerous uh, receivers, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. I mean, those are the guys I think the Eagles are going to try to get the, get the ball to also. Um, but remember, too, in that first game against the Giants, the Eagles ran for like 250-plus yards. Um, and, and, you know, I thought the Vikings probably should have tried to run the ball a little bit more. I mean, I know they weren't they fell behind early, but they were never really out of it to get away from the running game. So I think the Eagles can do some damage there uh, in the run game. And but really, we, we've seen how this Eagles team has lost in the past and it's turning the ball over and losing the time of possession. So the Eagles really, first and foremost, have to make sure they don't have any turnovers or limit the turnovers. They can't turn it over four times like they did in two of their three losses. And, and they have to be able to get off the field on third down. The Giants had that ball for that long drive that led to a field goal, like almost 11 minutes. Yeah, 19 Clock. plays. Yeah. Uh, for I mean, those who, who hate the Vic Fangio scheme, you, you see the good version. You don't see the bad version. You got to see the bad version with Minnesota and the Chargers. So I hope people were watching uh, those two games. Well, you had the good and the bad in the Chargers game because they were darn good early, but they kind of fell apart. Yeah, but you can't have the Giants offense – converting third downs, fourth downs, and holding the ball for, you know, 10 minutes on a drive. I mean, you have to get off the field if you're the Eagles defense. And and, and that's been kind of how you beat this team is control the ball and force turnovers. So that's where it has to start. Dallas Goddard, obviously a really huge piece to get going against this team that had trouble guarding TJ Hawkinson. But it has to start with no turnovers and getting off the field on third down. All right, let's stem some of the angst uh, some of the fan base is going to have after watching the Giants play so impressively uh, against Minnesota. Uh, I know you're breaking down this this game from a personnel perspective. The Eagles, I would argue the Eagles are better everywhere except running back, and that's not an insult to Miles Sanders. That's just uh, Saquon Barkley's a a really, really talented player. You see him in the passing game, obviously, as a running back. Um, just really, really talented. Everywhere else, even special teams, I would call it wash. The Eagles aren't good at special teams, but either are the Giants. Um, everywhere else, the Eagles are better. Am I wrong? Well, yeah, I, I, you know, listen, slightly at running back. I mean, the Eagles have more of a committee type of situation. I know Miles Sanders, obviously, their lead back, 1,200-plus yards rushing, 11 touchdowns, comparable numbers, actually, to what Barkley did uh, this season in terms of yards on the ground and touchdowns. But Barkley's a much bigger threat out of the backfield. But the Eagles combat that with Kenny Gainwell, who – you know, he's having a pretty good end of the season here. I think he's got a reception in seven straight games. I think he's caught 14 passes for 119 yards over these last seven games. So he's becoming, uh, you know, we saw him struggle in training camp. We saw him struggle at the start of the year, but he seems like he's playing better now. So he's kind of that threat out of the backfield. And then, of course, Boston Scott, um, you have Giant to fact killer. him. Yeah, this as well. I mean, he's that just... prop that in early, by the way, people get it in Boston's got touchdown. Get yeah. And the Eagles know it, too. And they play to it. You know, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some touches down inside the red zone uh, to try to get him that touchdown. 
Um, I'd even like to see them use him on a wheel route coming out of the backfield and, and see if they can get him the ball in the passing game. Uh, but yeah, I, so I think you have to factor that in when you're looking at who you're going to give the edge here to as the Eagles are more of a committee approach and they have Boston Scott, but I think you're right. I think the Giants probably would have a slight edge at running back just because Saquon is so darn good. And then I also gave him the edge at safety. I think Julian Love and Xavier McKinney are, are yeah, very that's good. the other part you can argue. They're good players, but yeah, they're, they're good. They're good. And, and you know, Chauncey Gardner is he going to be a slot? I mean, we don't know what Maddox's situation is uh, in terms of returning. I, I don't think I know they made an IR a couple of IR moves going into last week's game. I don't think he was one of them, unless I'm I'm wrong about. No, Avante. No. Uh, Avante's still on the roster. Yeah, but yeah, so he, uncertain. So, yeah, if he can return, that would certainly help. And then you can just put CJ back on the back at his safety rather than kind of bouncing in between, you know, slot and safety. So uh, I just give the edge a little bit at safety to the Giants. Julian Love led the team in tackles, uh, had a couple interceptions. Xavier McKinney missed uh, a lot of time with an injury. He's, I think, he only played nine games, but it's a very good duo that they have at safety. So I'd give a slate edge to the giants there and the defensive line. Even I know the Eagles have greater depth on the interior, but you know, Dexter Lawrence is, you know, he's tremendous. Great player. Great, great player. player. But the Eagles really... are so deep on the defense. I mean, they're yeah, deeper you have than to go with the depth there. The Eagles can run Joseph and Sue and Davis out there. And the giants don't have that depth, but the guys they play with Leonard Williams, who really played, I thought pretty solid yesterday against the Vikings. Uh, those two are very good, Lawrence and Williams. So, you know, they're they're close in the defensive line. But, again, I give the Eagles probably the edge there as well. Just got a text from Miles Sanders. He says, challenge accepted, McMullen. Um, just make sure John knows that I only outrush Saquon Barkley 144 and By the way, Miles will take that challenge because, obviously, they're good friends from their Penn State days. And he always gets fired up uh, when he's playing Saquon. And he might have more yards, but – I'm going to be honest, Saquon's a better player, but, you know, that doesn't yeah, mean and, he's going to Oh, and he said uh, the only thing that matters is a Saturday's game, not what uh, anybody has done in previous <laughs> seasons. So, uh, Miles sticking up for himself. But he, what he didn't send me in the text is how his knee feels. Again, the Eagles run their business the way they run their business. So, we all understand it. They take it sometimes to ludicrous ends on keeping information tight and trying to gain a competitive advantage. Will you guys be able to get any clue as to Miles Sanders and whether he is? We all talk about Jalen Hurts and what percent he's at. And none of us know, but we judge both before and after the fact and try and come up with a number. Will you have any clue what Miles is at before the game starts? Because he's been wearing that knee brace, hasn't been as effective the last couple of weeks. you got to go back to that unbelievable 144-yard game against the Giants to see Miles at 100%. How will we know what Miles is coming into the game on Saturday? Well, I, I think that knee brace, I mean, it, it's great for offensive and defensive linemen to wear a knee brace, but I'm not so sure it's good for a running back who makes his living on, you know, cutting back with the football and making sharp turns on the field. Um, so that's got to be a problem. And, we'll, you know, the Eagles will have an open, two open practices this week, very limited amount of uh, viewing time, but we'll get to see, you know, if Miles is, is wearing – that brace during practice. Cause to me, I think that makes all the difference in the world. If he has to wear that brace, that to me is, you know, restrictive, doesn't favor him at all. 
um, and probably won't lead to 100-plus yards rushing. So they'll have to get Scott and Kenny Gainwell a little bit more involved, in my opinion. And, you know, we'll ask Miles, hey, how you feeling? I feel great. He won't admit to anything. So yeah. we're not going to get any answers from him. Maybe he'll text you, Jody, and, and give you – He's not texting me. I got in he trouble. He texted me, but he first. just did some bragging. He didn't give me any updated uh, health information, which I'm ticked off about. Thanks a lot, Miles. I got, <laughs> I got in trouble, as Ed knows, for noticing the knee brace. I'm going to say first uh, – uh, I got in trouble for that. So, um, but he did ditch it in week 18. So unless he had a relapse, I'm going to assume he's got not going to play with it. Uh, and that'll help because you're right. He was not the same uh, when he was wearing that thing. So uh, another injury thing to keep an eye on. Yeah. I want to talk about the games as a whole. Um and, and I don't know how closely you guys watched. Uh, the, the NFL kind of went full sky judge uh, this week, and I loved it. They were fixing stuff. They hate that term, and I don't know why, but they were fixing bad calls in real time and not going to the replay and just saying, hey, we're talking to the officials on the field, correcting stuff. I liked it. Did you guys notice that, and did you like it? Yeah, I, I think I noticed it a couple of times. I can't remember the specific play. I mean, I watched so much football and I was in and out on some of the games and some I stayed with longer. But, um, yeah, of course. I mean, listen, let's not go to review every single time and take five to ten minutes to try to figure out what went wrong or what went right. I mean, yeah, if we can solve it on the field, let's do it. And if we're going to start doing that, then let's open it up to, you know, I think there was that roughing the passer penalty. Well, that's called. that you can't change. I mean, that's the rule. I, but, I get but, people don't like that. But well, if you, if you have someone that's, you know, buzzing down and saying, hey, that's a penalty, we need to call that, then throw the flag right then and there and call the penalty. I mean, if we're going to start doing that, where you have assistance on the field with who's ever watching, uh, you know, in real time the game, then, then let's open it up to, you know, a couple different things that you're able to fix and correct yeah. if there's an egregious mistake. I mean, because I like it. I mean, I think it's great. We've seen the college game, I think, do that, right? I mean, they kind of buzz well, down. Well, the problem with college, they do it, but they buzz down and they look. So it takes so right. long. What I love about what the NFL is doing is <laughs> they're saying, hey, you got that wrong. Just correct it. I love it. I, they should have been doing this for years. Yeah, yeah but That's, do you really want guys making key calls watching a TV monitor? Yeah, I do. I, over, I want over to a get guy it who's right. standing four feet away from the play. Yeah, because the guy standing four feet away from the play gets it wrong too much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's easier in high definition to see. I mean, they create they pick some spots, some really bad spots, right? And they moved the back, and they moved it forward, moved it back. I mean, I, I love it personally. I love it. I, I think as long as you get it right, I mean, and, and they seem to get it right. I think one of the plays they kind of overturned right in real time was the, the, the uh, it was called a fumble. Uh, Tyler Huntley had the fumble there that they scooped up and they called it a fumble, but then it was ruled quickly that that was a forward yeah. pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they fixed that. that. One so, of them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's fine. I mean, we John's right. We've seen the officials standing four feet, like the Dallas Goddard face mask penalty against Washington that yeah. led to his injury. I mean, guys are standing yeah, right where, there. Where were the officials? Where was the uh, guy in the booth? How did they he not come up with that one? Well, well because again, they're not allowed it. on that type of play. Now, that's another conversation. But they weren't doing it. That's my point. They weren't doing it as much in the regular season. They were yeah. doing it all the time trying to get – 
crap right on the in the playoffs. I loved so, it. So I, you think Roger Goodell sent out a memo to I all do, the I do. This week I believe. I believe we, they, we need to rely more on our replay guys in the booth, uh, referees that you should just uh, listen to whatever they tell you and judge the game accordingly. You think that memo changed. was sent out? They changed. That's all I'm saying. They changed for the playoffs. And I something, thought it was a good was change. Done, yeah. I mean, listen, this, this, the, the officiating has been a sore spot all year with this league. So, you know, maybe Rogers like, okay, there's going to be more eyeballs on us. You know, let's make sure we're giving our officials every chance to at least get this thing right without leaving egg on their face. And yeah, maybe he did send out a memo. I, I would say he probably did, but I, I like it. And, and that Goddard face mask thing, I think that's outside the purview of what yeah, you can and can't do. Yeah. But again, if you're going to be looking at things in the sky and an official says, Hey, that you missed that face mask, Frank, or whoever's ref in the game, you know, we got to throw a flag here. Then you throw the flag, whether it's two seconds after the play or, or whenever it is, I mean, just to get something right. And I think there was a chance in that situation to correct the wrong, but right now you can't, that's a subjective call. You can't change that. But I'm thinking that if they're going to start doing this, then maybe there are some things penalty wise that they can look at quickly in the sky and say, Hey, we goofed, throw the flag. Uh, maybe that's, the, that's yeah. The with with the roughing the passer stuff. Look, I'm with most fans that hate these calls, like Dexter Lawrence, the player talking. That's not roughing the passer to me, but to them it is. I mean, uh, you know that that that's a problem with the legislation. They don't right. like the rule, which right. I get. It's not a problem with with the call on the field. That's what they're told to do, and the, and there was uh you know a, a push uh in in the Miami Buffalo game. Same thing. It's a penalty. I mean, it sucks that it's a penalty, but it's 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 a penalty. That's the legislation. So they hate the legislation, but the call was right on the field for what the officials are told to do. So that's why I think that part of it is a little bit different. Yeah. Agreed. All right, Eddie K. We know the Eagles host the Giants next Saturday night. Next Sunday, it will be San Francisco against. TBD, and that's not Tom Brady. That's to be determined um, because the uh, Bucks and the Cowboys have yet to play. They'll get it on tonight down in Tampa. Who you got? Tonight's game, I got – I I, 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 I kind of wish Sam Howell was playing. I'd like to see another uh, – oh, oh, we hadn't there. even got to Sam Howell. Sam Howell's biggest fan. He's been <laughs> waiting to get out of here. COVID, <laughs> Sam Howell went out. And I saw this weekend – that the, the the commanders are on record that as of right now, Sam Howell is their QB one for the yeah. offseason. How about that? They're looking at him oh. as their starting quarterback going forward. And I say, that's great news, Eagle fans. If Sam Howell yeah. is the commander's starting quarterback going forward, you can pencil them in for behind the Eagles in the standings next year. And I but would Eddie say, gonna... I, I would add, Jody, it's January 16th. I think the commanders have a chance to change their mind. Change their mind point. between now and yeah. September. Yeah, right. yeah, you Derek, might be Carr, right. Derek Carr's hanging out there, and they're, they're going to get a new OC in Washington. So keep an eye on Derek Carr there. I'll, I'm not sure they're going to be so in love with Sam Howell <clears throat> as the offseason moves on. But Getting back to your question, Jody, who do I like tonight? I think the Cowboys are going to win. Uh, I know Tom Brady's seven and zero all time against the Cowboys, and I just think Dallas is the better team roster wise, and I think they'll find a way. And it'll be TBD will be replaced by the Cowboys, and they'll go to the 49ers next Sunday in the divisional round. I think it's going to be close. Um, you know, Brady's playing better. This this team, the Tampa Bay team, seems to be getting 
healthier as the, as the, you know, as we get later in the season here. So um, <clears throat> I just think Dallas is the better team. They may even have the better coach in this game. Um, as hard as that is to believe Mike McCarthy is, might be the better coach. Yeah, but not, I think I'm Dallas not, finds a way to uh, win this game. Not a big uh, the Mike McCarthy thing. disrespect. It, it, you know, I think Dallas is the better team. I'm with you. Tampa Bay's getting a, a little bit better, but let's be honest. They're just uh, playing for the right to go out and get bitch slapped by Brock Purdy anyway. That's so probably <laughs> correct. But they, they both, they both want that right. You think uh, Cowboys going to win tonight, McMullen? Uh, I do. I do think the Cowboys are going to win tonight. And, uh, um, yeah, I think they're the better team. And I was concerned. I, you know, when I rated the potential Eagles opponents, uh, Dallas is, would, to me, in the divisional round, would have been the most difficult opponent because they have the most talent. Now, I still think the Eagles would have won the game, should win the game, should have won that game. Uh, so, but they are, they are more talented than the other possibilities, uh, are. And to me, it comes down to personnel and I don't think Mike McCarthy's nearly as bad a coach as most people do. Um, I, I think he gets a bad rap to be honest, but that's, we all agree. He's got a good staff, but I just got another text, uh, from TB 12 said, did you ask McMullen if he's watched my career? Really? You think that uh, he's going to get Well, I've been, uh, you know. Fourth quarter, watch what happens. Brady within a touchdown. Uh, uh, well, if you can I'm... get me, if you can get me through the first 58 minutes and, and the Bucks have the ball with under two minutes to go and, and down three, I probably uh, agree with you. I'd probably pick the Bucks, but you do have to play 60 minutes. I think Dallas is going to handle their business and in the first 55 or so. Tom Brady crazy. will abuse the other corner, not named Quandre Diggs in the fourth quarter. And left his team to, a, uh, right. I get the Diggs is confused. Um, uh, will lift them to a victory in the fourth quarter. I think Tampa's going to win tonight. So you guys got Dallas. I got Tampa, but you're right. All three of us are great. It, good for you. Have a nice flight to San Francisco and then enjoy the rest of your off season after the game next Sunday. And neither one of these two teams could beat the 49ers in San Fran, can they? Well, uh, how do you guys feel about the Monday night game? I mean, to me, it seems anticlimactic playing a playoff game. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't Monday like night. it at all. I don't like it at all. I wish, you know, yeah. three games Saturday, three games Sunday. I'll, I'll probably it. like it at 8.15 when I sit down and I'm like, oh, what's there to watch? Oh, yeah, there's a football game on and then I'll put it on. But I just it feels anticlimactic to me that. after the weekend we just had great games down to the wire, some of them. Um, it just feels like. Why couldn't we just throw that game on on Saturday? You know, why right. couldn't we do three Saturday, three Sunday, and start talking about next week already? Prime reason yeah. for it. ESPN wrote a very Disney wrote a very big check to yes, get a Monday night exactly. playoff game. TV money rules the world. That's why they're playing that game tonight rather than three on Saturday. Ed Kratz, it's good to see you. It's good to know you're uh, on the improve. We appreciate you coming on board, and I promise not to punch you the next time I see you, so you look like me. Yeah. You made it through, Ed. Big test. You made yeah, it I can through, bob and weave team. like Sam Howe, baby. You, you Very good. My footwork. You tested, uh, you tested it like Jalen Shoulder, and you made it through. You made it through. Yep. Thanks, guys. You got Thanks, it. That's Ed. Ed Kratz of SI. Yeah, he is the biggest Sam Howe fan in the Delaware Valley, and I, 
I pimp him because of that, but uh, he gets his just rewards because Sal did play well in that final game. Stuck it to the Cowboys, who surprisingly both Kratz and McMullen think they're going to win, despite the fact that Sam Howell lit him up last week when they were. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Playing for a divisional possible championship. You don't think Brady's going to be able to do it, Sam Howell did? Yeah, you know, you know how the NFL goes when, you know, one of the problems with the Cowboys is their lack of consistency. And, and generally... You know, they'll have a good game, then they'll have a bad game, then they'll bounce back. And they had a bad game. I don't think they'll have two really bad games in a row. That's part of the reason I, I, I'm i picking them in this game, to be honest. Yeah, I think they've got another uh, bad game up their sleeve. And then, yeah, TV's going to get to go out. It's kind of be a little ironic if that's Brady's last game. Which, oh, by the way, I don't think it is. I think he's going to play next year. Not in Tampa. I think he'll be somewhere else. But uh, last game back well, out. He hasn't got the wife to, to worry about anymore. That's, That's why, why I think he's coming place, back yeah. next year. I think he'll be elsewhere. I had a Tampa guest on last night, Casey Allen, uh, who's been on with us here on Birds 365. And he said he thinks Brady's coming back to Tampa. I think he's coming back, but it won't be in Tampa. But that's So who, who, that, who you got real quick? Miami, Las Vegas, San Francisco? They wouldn't dare usurp. Brock Purdy for no, Tom Brock, Brady. Brock right? Purdy is locked in in San Francisco. The other two are distinct possibilities. If Tua's career is sitting in the balance, then, yeah, I think Miami is a pretty damn good shot uh, because they, they wanted that to happen. And the other one that has been kicked around, which could, could uh, uh, play into an overall decision of someone who will be a big name all offseason, where's Sean Payton land? I thought that we would have had an announcement yesterday that the Chargers were fi- firing Brandon Staley with the fact that he's just been a bad coach, period. Then he puts Mike Williams out there in week six, 18 when he's got nothing to win, gets him hurt, he's out of the game, blows a 27 and nothing lead. I thought the hammer was coming down yesterday. It didn't. I don't know if that means he keeps his job. But if he does get fired, if we find out something today, that seems the most logical spot for me. But if Peyton lands there, Herbert's going to be their quarterback. But if he goes elsewhere, Peyton and uh, Brady have a pretty good relationship. I wouldn't count that team out of the Brady uh, potential landing spot group either. Yeah, well, if you think about the potentials for Sean, it would be Chargers, Broncos, Arizona. Uh, The Broncos can't move on from Russell Wilson, uh, Arizona. I don't know. They can't move on from Kyler Murray, so. Uh, difficult spots, but uh, yeah, Miami's an interesting one because of the reason you mentioned um, in Las Vegas because of Josh McDaniels. Lord knows Josh McDaniels needs some help. So, Tom, if you want to help out your buddy, uh, maybe that makes some sense. I'll give you I'll give you a prediction right now. Uh, circle it on the calendar. Jody Mack said this on Birds 365. The starting quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders next year will be an expatriate. But his name is Jimmy Garoppolo, not Tom Brady. So the Raiders are going to continue to be bad. We can chalk that up. 
I think Jimmy G is the ex-Patriot who comes in to play with McDaniels, not Brady. But we'll see. There's a whole bunch of things that can happen between now and then, including more playoff games, including the Eagle first playoff game. And that'll be against the Giants next Saturday. We'll continue to break it down for you here on Birds 365. I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Number two of this Monday playoff edition of Birds 365 
you got Mac and Mac. It may look like Mac and Rocky, Rocky Raccoon, uh, but it is Mac and Mac here with you on Birds 365 uh, for those of you who just streamed in. Oh, by the way, you go ahead and hit the like button since you're here and we're getting prepped for our big Eagle playoff game next week. Uh, last week, yours truly had to have some surgery done, uh, get some skin cancer removed from my noggin, and the surgery was a success, so they tell me. Uh, be glad that I'm wearing the hat because you don't want to see the sutures and staples in the top of my head. You think my eyes are ugly. You should see the top of my head. Uh, that will keep hidden. Uh, but surprisingly, I did not know this was going to happen. They didn't tell me this either, um, even though they said the procedure was a success. Somehow the, the trauma to the top of my head has made its way down onto my face. And it looks like, yeah, I went uh, four rounds with Mike Tyson. Not good. Uh, but I'm a playoff player. What can I tell you? I'm a tough guy. Boy. This is postseason. There's no downtime. Suck it up. Get it done. That's what we're trying to do here on Bridge 360. Yeah. So a couple people have said on the uh, street, what the hell happened to Jody? Uh, I had to repeat it a second time. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. I look like... Uh, By the way, Jody, I might show up... Uh, with some trauma tomorrow after watching uh, that Giants Vikings game. Can I give you two statistics uh, from that game? Since uh, I I'm just popping that this is amazing to me. How bad was the defense in that game? Daniel Jones, first quarterback in NFL postseason history with 300 plus passing yards, uh, two plus passing touchdowns, 70 plus rushing yards. So that's one of those, you know, you, you, you place the sort of yardstick where you want to go. But to get this, it, for people who think the Giants played well, the Vikings are the only team in the Super Bowl era to complete at least 80% of their passes with no turnovers and no sacks allowed and lose the game. Teams had been 47-0 and in the regular season and postseason before that game. When did the NFL turn into the Big 12, Jody? Yeah, a whole lot of offense. I, I mentioned that on CBS last night when I was on. Uh, if you're looking for trends and givens for through the first four games, the over was not in doubt in any of the games. High, in the 60s, they were scoring, and the numbers are usually in the 40s. If they get the 50s, so be it. Everybody scoring in the 60s combined, and the, the Vikings and the Giants held that up uh, as well. Yeah, I got one bad piece of information for you, though, J-Mac. And I know the point you made. Here's what you said last week. Kirk Cousins will be given Hall of Fame consideration. No, and I said, said if he won the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. If he if he wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, which ain't going to happen. See, people forget that, Jody. I said people are going to have a difficult – what I said is people are going to have a difficult conversation – if he ever gets on a run and wins a Super Bowl, and wins a Super because Bowl. his numbers are so good, not now. Obviously, well, that, one that's, and done. That's good because it's never going to happen. Because yeah, Kirk I Cousins agree. again I yesterday, John. I, I don't know that you and I have ever discussed this. I've discussed it way too many times in the air, uh, on the air, in all my broadcasts. There is nothing. I mean, the number one thing about professional football that annoys me is when a team on fourth down throws the ball short of the sticks. The, 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 the person should be fired. He should be run out of the league. The coach, the receiver, the quarterback, all of them should just be booted out of the league. How do you not get to a first down? 
when it is fourth down and you desperately, and it can't be more desperate, Giants get to go into victory formation there after the game is over. How do you not get to the sticks if you're the wide receiver, or in this case, it was Hawkinson? How do you call a play with a pattern that's going to come up short of the stick? And then most importantly, if you're the quarterback, how do you choose to throw it to someone who is four yards short of a first down and then watch them get tackled? How? When your name's Kirk Cousins and he comes up the smallest in the biggest spots in the history of the National Football League. Yeah, we don't even have to have your hypothetical conversation about if Kirk Cousins wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, which he's uh, which but I, I want to make that clear. I said if he won the Super Bowl because he's not a Hall of Fame player. So you know how social media people are, Jody. I said because of the numbers, it's going to be a difficult conversation. I, I tweeted the exact same thing in the moment. It drives me insane. Now, it, it, here's – I get upset at college quarterbacks where the rules are different, and if you get a first down, they stop the clock. So if it's late in the game and you're you're a kid who doesn't have an experience and you don't get – like three yards ain't going to help you if the clock is going to run. you got to throw the ball to the sticks and stop the clock and it's better to have an incomplete pass or throw it away or whatever. I get upset at college quarterbacks who do it. If you've been playing as long as Kirk Cousins, if you've been playing as long and you're doing that with your season on the line, it's bad enough in week eight, right? It's bad enough in a week eight game where you're going to play next week, but your entire season is on the line. And, oh, by the way, you have Justin Jefferson, and he talked about this after the game. They won a game in Buffalo because he was smart enough on fourth and 19 to just throw the ball up to Justin Jefferson, who came up with it in, in one of the greatest catches of all time. Throw the stinking ball. Just throw it up. Throw it up to one of your good receivers. Yeah. And 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 you're right about I don't blame as much Kevin O'Connell. That's a Kirk Cousins thing. He's got to understand that. Every play sort of has an outlet, and that's what Hawkinson was on that particular play. Maybe you got to take it away from him if he's that dumb. Yeah. If he's that dumb in that spot. But I also said, you know, if I'm if I'm doing a Vikings autopsy, uh, one through nineteen is defense, 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 all the way to nineteen, and then you get to fourth and eight. He he played that that he played really well in that game until that play. He's not the reason they lost that game, but I'm with you hundred percent. That is an extremely dumb play for a veteran quarterback. Extremely dumb can't. play. You can't do it. And I, I, some very good quarterbacks, including Eagle quarterbacks over the years, I've maligned for doing the same exact thing. It's the dumbest play in football. You can't do it. And don't give me, oh, if he breaks a tackle, he can make, no, it's dumb. You can't take that risk. The risk reward of throwing it short of the sticks and making a guy have to be able to break a tackle is just, I'm sorry, there's no way you can justify it. You couldn't justify it for Kirk Cousins uh, yesterday. It was just flat out dumb. But the Giants benefited, which means they're coming here to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles next week. It's a fun matchup, and it'll have nothing to do with the voting, but I think uh, the Brian Dable versus Nick uh, Sirianni matchup is fun, too because the Eagles beat them twice already this year. And I would, if I had a vote, I'd give it to Sirianni over Dable for coach of the year, but it's close. I said this yesterday on CBS. 
if you agree with me, John. Sirianni, um, Dable, Doug Peterson, and or your boy out in San Francisco. If any of those four, Kyle Shanahan being the fourth, if any of those four win coach of the year, I'm okay with it. I think it's that close between those four guys. If you wanted me to put them in an order, I would go Shanahan one, Sirianni two, Dable three, Peterson four, but I'm okay with any of those four. How about you? Um, yeah, I wouldn't be upset. I, I, you know, unfortunately my definition is, is kind of, and everything's I say all the time, everybody's about definition. So I go with who's done the most with the least. And that's why I picked a ball, but Doug's really close. So to me, it's between those two. Uh, maybe I'm trying to be objective by not picking Doug. Uh, cause I do like Doug personally. Um, Sirianni, it's not fair. Shanahan, it's not fair. You know I picked the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, for Sirianni, it's more as the season went on, and I became clear, wow, this team's really good. Um, not that they haven't done great jobs. They've both done great jobs, and I expect them to be in the NFC Championship game, uh, Nick Sirianni and Kyle Shanahan. And everybody knows how much I like Kyle Shanahan, and they should know how much I like Nick Sirianni. But I think Brian Dayball did the most with the least. So to me, he's the coach of the year. Yeah, I, I do look at it a little differently. And you're right. You have to do it as the season goes on. The 49ers right now are playing the best football in football, and they're doing so with their third string quarterback. That puts Kyle Shanahan on the top of the on the top of the mountain for me. But uh, Dougie P's defense did read this this morning, did not know it. The first team ever in the history of the National Football League to have the worst record the season before, a.k.a. the number one draft pick, and then yeah. win a playoff game. Has never been done before yeah. in the history of the National He's National getting quite game. the resume for a guy who can't hire assistant coaches. I'm glad that narrative has died because he got kind of crapped on on his way out of Philadelphia by some people. It was a minority, but by mm-hmm. some people. And that was an absurd narrative. And I hope people are seeing it. Look, in a lot of ways, what he's done in Jacksonville is more impressive than the Super Bowl because the Eagles have a really good organization. I think they've proven that, and they have had for years. That has been a you-know-what show in Jacksonville for years and years. And and coming off Urban Meyer, that team was dead, moribund, whatever adjective you want to use, and he turned them around, won a division title, Granted, bad division, but won a division title, and he's in the divisional round of the playoffs. Man, his resume is getting pretty stinking impressive. What I described uh, Jacksonville as prior to Dougie P showing up is dumpster fire. That's what the tip, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars were, and he came in and put out those flames. And, oh, by the way, now, if you look at the, the complete resume, six years NFL head coach, four times in the playoffs, including a Super Bowl win. That's pretty damn good. When you're four out of six at making the playoffs, and oh, by the way, you stepped into two not great situations, because let's be honest, when he took over the Eagles, there was an easy reason why they moved away from Andy Reid. The Chip organization Kelly. was... Chip was, Kelly, people forget, moved away from Chip Kelly. Uh, moved away from Chip Kelly, sorry. Um, they were not good. That, that was not a great team that Doug was inheriting at that time. And we know how bad it was in Jacksonville. So to have made the playoffs four out of six years, 
as an NFL head coach, that's a pretty damn good accomplishment for Doug Peterson. Yeah. I'm John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. We see in the waiting room, it is our boy, Chris Franklin, our usual Monday contributor here on Birds 365 from NJ.com. CF, Chris Franklin, next. Keep it here. I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game. Now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Appreciate you streaming in here with us on Birds 365 Playoff Week action. The Eagles will be in action on Saturday against the Giants in the divisional round. You've got Mac, 
Rocky Raccoon, and now Chris Franklin joining us. One quick note for uh, guys on the stream. I got to give uh, Dax a, 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 a heads up, a uh, holla. He wanted me to do a Yo Adrian because I'm resembling Rocky right about now at the end of the uh, fight against uh, one of the all-time great fighting scenes. Uh, no, just had some uh, had some things I had to deal with uh, for surgery and the replications thereafter. Franklin, how ugly am I? I just wonder know when's your next fight in Vegas. You know, I'll go out yeah. there. You know, I'll be part of your crew that walks up to the ring. That's all I want to know. I so do that. My cut man. I trust you to be my cut man. Are you in? <laughs> Unless you want to have look like all of a sudden razor marks everywhere, like it was a bad shaving mark. Are you sure you want me to do that? I don't know. Yeah, I got faith, I got faith in you, Franklin. Yeah. I'm gonna say, cut me, cut me, Chris, cut me. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, all those things we bet. Yeah, listen, uh. I barely I have a hard time. I have to go to a bar. I have a bad time shaving. So I don't know if you want me to do that. I mean, if you want to look like you have like <laughs> folds everywhere, go ahead for it. Otherwise, <laughs> nah. Good enough. Uh, here's what I, uh, what I need from you first. You need to give us the definitive number because we're all speculating as to what Jalen Hurts will be playing at on Saturday. We saw what he played at last week. No one truly affixed the number to it. Uh, he's now got. 13 more days of rest to get better and be ready. I know we still have five days before the game, but give us your best case scenario, best guess scenario. If Jalen Hurts at his tippy top this year was 100%, pick whichever game you think he was the best in as he was playing on an MVP type level. If that's 100, where is Jalen going to be at Saturday for the Giants? All right, I'm using this based off of what I've heard from people, what I've seen from him himself in these last couple weeks, and then just overall looking back, I'd probably say we'd see about like a 75 to 80. I don't think you're going to see a 100% one because that, I think by now, originally I was told like it's a grade one. If it's still bothering him, the fact that they're worried about his shoulder and limited to him last week with that one day, even though he threw the following one, I think he's going to be somewhere around 75, 80%. And the biggest test for me is going to be how well that shoulder holds up when they run, because you know they're going to run them again, because that's where their offense is really, truly successful. And after looking at the way that, you know, he took a couple of those hits against the Giants, the first time in his last start, I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, you know what, he's, he'll probably be about 80, get some runs in, and you just got to hope that it's not too bad. He doesn't suffer another hit like he did in Chicago. If he's yeah. only 75 or 80, like you said, sorry, John, um, does that open the door for a lesser talented team like the Giants to come into Philadelphia and beat the Eagles? I would have thought so, but looking at the way, and this is like it's more of an intangible thing as well, too. I still think the Eagles have a better roster top to bottom. I think the Eagles still have a better roster. Giants come in with a little bit of momentum, but when you look at the way, I think that I think yesterday was their Super Bowl. I really, I truly believe it because. I mean, nobody really believed out them. If the Minnesota, granted, it was the Vikings. I think a lot of people picked the Vikings. I'd have picked the Giants to win that game. But yeah, look at this. I think it's. I think that was such an emotional high for them. They're coming here on a road against a team that is very familiar with them. So yeah, I, I, even with eighty percent, an eighty percent Jalen Hurts, I think the Eagles will still win this game. I think at least. Yeah, that's good. Point. It's a good point, Chris, because you know you have to go on the road. Uh, you start with an emotional win, then you got to go back on the road, and even though it's close, it's not a difficult road trip, but it's a road trip nonetheless. 
it's tough to get up emotionally for two consecutive weeks. That's why it's so difficult for teams that have to go on the road in the playoffs. Um, but with Jalen, I think you're right. He's not going to be 100%. We know that. We know he's going to fight through pain. To me, it's not about that. It's about do the Eagles try to protect him? If the Eagles try to protect him, I think there might be some issues. If they say, you know what, this is the playoffs. We got nothing to save you for. Zone reads back in the equation. Then I don't think they have a problem. Do you think they're in week 18 mode where they take the zone read mechanics out of the offense or they say, nope, this is the postseason. We got the whole playbook. I think is if the first 15 plays, I think they'll try to protect it within that first opening script with those first 15 plays where they say, you know what, we'll roll them out instead of using zone read and it'll use a little bit more elements. But if that doesn't start to work, then all bets are off because the last thing you want to do is give the Giants any hope going into this game thinking they can hang around more and more. I mean, we've seen, although we've seen so many comebacks, including the Jaguars this last week, you want to, this is a game where you want to get up early and assert yourself, say, hey, you know what, we, that last game, week 18, wasn't this Eagles team you think you're going to get, even though you play your backups, and that's what a lot of people I've read about are hanging themselves on. Hanging themselves on. That's that's going to be the uh, outcome of the game. It's going to be like that. But I think you'll see the opening script's going to be more about protecting them at first, getting a good read of what that Giants defense is doing, and then if they see like it's a little sluggish or they're not hitting on all cylinders, say, you know what, Jalen, just, just do your thing, get us out of here, and then let's go to the NC Championship game if that's the case. Both you and Ed Kratz went down similar roads in the question where you asked about uh, how the offense is going to look out of the gate, uh, saying, well, maybe not right away that they go back to the Eagles offense that we saw that got them out to the undefeated start. But at some point, here it comes. Would you, wouldn't you want to get that underway like as soon as possible? That means if you win the coin flip, you actually say, come on, give me the ball. Let, 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 let me get the ball first. Get, let, let me play my rope-a-dope against you with Jalen Hurts. And then we start our true offense, and then we run you off the field. Please tell me there's a chance that Nick Sirianni will say, I'll take the ball rather than defer on the opening kickoff. <laughs> nah, they're deferred. They're defer- this team, I will say this. This team, it seems like. Never. It's never going to happen, is it? No, nah, because it's as weird as it sounds. Defensively, I know I was talking about offense. Defensively, it seems like this team is is a little bit better in the second half. And when they make the this team makes the adjustments, they after the second half, and I can see them coming out where it's like, you know what? Yeah, if it, if it's too close to that one, they'll come out and do a reset. So I don't think this team is, is going to take the ball in the first one. It'll be it'll be a, definitely be a surprise if they do because they're not using that. But no, nah, I think it's I don't think they're going to go right away from that. And we've seen this in the past when the Eagles have been sluggish. I mean, look at the Colts game, look at some of these other games when the Eagles have been sluggish, throwing the ball, can't move the ball down the field. All of a sudden, Jalen takes over with his legs, and then they move the offense down that way too. So I, I think that's the yeah, way they're going to go. I, I, I think the Eagles. You know, I, last year in the playoffs, that was a legitimate criticism. Like last year, they were a different team. They weren't equipped to play with Tampa Bay. You should try to shorten the game. This season, this team is rightfully haughty. Uh, They think they're the best team in football. They should think they're the best team in football. They played like it, at least when the starting quarterback is out there. They're not afraid of anybody. You, You take the football when you want to shorten the game, when you're playing Kansas City, when you're playing Buffalo. 
The Eagles aren't afraid of anybody. And why should they be afraid of anybody? I'm shocked the fans are afraid of the New York Giants. I say it all the time. I'm sure you've heard, Chris. I, well, I don't know if you have heard, but if you haven't, it's tough to beat a, time, beat a team three times, Chris Franklin. I don't know if you've heard that. Um, I, try, yeah, I, I, I don't I, get it. I don't get it. I tried to take myself off Twitter this week. I'm like, you know, I got a weekend off. Let me try to stay away. But then all of a sudden, that didn't happen. I was like, oh, let me check this out. And then after that game, when he yeah. had the Giants, I was like, oh, my goodness. They can, no team ever beat the win, and nobody can do this three times. No. It's one of those things you just have – A, I look at it as one of those things. Like, if you're confident in your team, if you're confident in your roster, you're confident in your scheme, there's nothing really to worry about until probably maybe the Super Bowl. I really think when you look at this, this – the 49ers are the only team, I think, when you look at where everything they have, they're the only team that I really think they can match up well, only because of the scheme they have offensively. I think the, I think the Eagles' defense, the offense can match up well because they're deep, the defense. So unless the 49ers were one of the AFC teams that are out there, just seems if they win those games and get that far to the Super Bowl, there's no real team that really think it poses a threat to the Eagles right now. And it, it's, it's all about a confidence. I, mean, I know it's Philadelphia, the history of Philadelphia, trust me, you know, growing up in this area all the time. Well, this everything's lined up perfectly. Oh wait, the Buccaneers and two two. Oh, everything's lined up perfectly. Oh wait, the Carolina Panthers. Nine Buccaneers. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can't. I can't waste my time worrying about the Buccaneers or the Giants or yeah. You know, and no. I, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. But yeah, I'm kind of surprised that people look at this team and the way they performed and are worried about playing the Giants a third time. I mean, I I said, and Jody will tell you. This is this is my preferred matchup. And it was kind of opposite because Seattle's, you know, the same, basically they're the same. They're, you know, borderline playoff teams from a talent level. And the Eagles should, you know, beat either of those teams like a drum. But I thought the familiarity helped a little bit. That's why I thought Seattle would be a tad tougher. I guess everybody else goes in the other direction. Well, also look at the his recent history with this team, team against. Granted, I know Russell Wilson's not there, but look at just the overall recent history against Seattle. You know, they have a really good. Uh, you don't know if you'd have Devontae Maddox back at, right this week if you did. Yeah, play they him, have so more they weapons too. That's yeah. the other reason. Yeah, so that's, more that's why I think this worked out way better for Eagles when it came to Giants. And, and it's just also I, I just look at that team. I mean, do you think Daniel Jones can win in the playoffs against this team? And that's the, it. All comes down to quarterback. You think Daniel? I'd rather take a eighty percent Jalen Hurts over a. Full, fully healthy Daniel Jones any day of the week. Personally, I think even if he's playing with a lot of confidence, I just look at and that. He's line. playing well, Daniel Jones. Yeah. Got to give him credit. He's playing well now against a very bad defense. That might have been. That might be the worst defense in the <laughs> NFL. Very good offense in Minnesota, but very bad defense. Yeah. How key are Eagle linebackers in this upcoming game? Because once again, Daniel Jones showed his ability to run the football. Um, he's not afraid to pull it down. They're not afraid to call direct running plays for him. And his ability to make plays with his legs was a big part of the giant win yesterday, which means for me, the linebackers are key. They're going to have to be able to both uh, come up, stop the run for sake on Barkley, but also do a little coverage and have knowledge as to where Daniel Jones is and finish with tackles. You got faith in Eagle linebacking core that they can uh, slow down Daniel Jones, who's become a big part of the Giants' offensive weapons. Yeah, and I think it's the main thing you have to do as well. So you have to mix the coverage. I'm, I'm the only, basically the one thing I'm really going to be watching as well too is when they go into that dime when they have Kaiser White back as the linebacker as the lone linebacker. Are they going to use him as a spy 
on Daniel Jones, and then how you mix up that look as well too. Do you throw maybe I don't know, maybe you throw a, a corner at a nickel guy or one of your defensive safeties one of them like to do that as well too? Like re, you throw replays, you throw K. Y. Wallace there, I say that, but yeah, you, you throw him to this like one of those guys. You got to mix up the. I'm worried about when there's a lot of space because when you look at the Giants' receiving core, I mean Darius Slayton. To me personally, I, I feel that like Darius Slayton would be the one that I'm really looking at, like. But he doesn't fear. But when you have James Bradbury and Darius Slay, it doesn't really feel fear. So their right receiving core is nothing to write home about. There's nothing that's potent as potent, like say, like we talked just talk about with Seattle Seahawks. But it's enough space to spread that defense out and leave those draw lanes and those zone reads roll around. So that's what that's the area I'm looking at for. And I think Kaiser White, if he's in that yeah. dime look, that's where I think he can, he can handle his own. But it's, it's going to be a team. This is going to be a game where you cannot miss tackles at all. And that's where the key thing I'm looking at right now. You can't miss tackles. Yeah, I'm worried about the tackling thing versus San Francisco uh, because they have uh, Debo and Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. You better tackle those guys because that seven yard Brock Purdy pass turns into 70 real quick uh, with Debo Samuel. But uh, that's. Don't want to get a step ahead. I, I do want to give credit for Isaiah Hodgins because he's been really impressive uh, since they plucked him off the Buffalo uh, practice squad. Um, but, you know, Darius Slay and, and James Bradbury, as you mentioned, that's a lot different than a 72-year-old Patrick Peterson and Duke Shelley. Um, <laughs> so I, I think the Eagles are better equipped uh, to shut down the Giants passing game. And then I think it's kind of kind of takes care of itself. If you have no threat throwing the football, then you can really, really focus on Daniel Jones and the and the zone read stuff. Yeah. And then they also and I think this team when you look at that, when they're in their base defense, I think they can they've shown at least in the first game, that first game I look at it as an outlier now with against the Giants. But you've shown like they can well, basically, I think. It, well, I'll start to say just to restart this way. I think they can handle Saquon Barkley overall with just that when they go to that five-man front and they can stop it that way too. The only other thing I'm worried about is when it comes to the play action. If they get that rolling, they start going with the play action, and they start sucking those safeties up a little bit, and then they get somebody behind them. Maybe that's the only thing I, I'd probably work. But I think they can handle. It's all about just stopping Daniel Jones and his legs. I think right now, for I think they can handle Saquon Barkley when they play when they take that team approach or, or defensively. How often do you think they're going to be in the five-man front? And I know that's a tough question to answer at this time of the week. We got all week to figure it out, but um, that that's going to be a key decision. Does Gannon push those right buttons on Sunday against uh, Saturday against the Giants? If I'm if I'm doing that, I'm going. I'm starting every first. I, I know it'd be predictable. But I'm starting every first down with it. I, I think when you start to see teams get a little bit more. Yeah. Start really going rungy when they switch back to the four man front on first down. I think the five is front. We have Linval Joseph playing. That is, I know he he looked a little hobbled the last couple of weeks, like like slowed down a little bit and saw one time limping on the sideline, whatever. I don't know if that is affecting him. Is anything that's affecting him long term? But you start looking at them overall. I like that five man front against, especially against this Giants team because it force. I think it forces them to bring in another uh, tight end a little bit, or if they want to try to break well and try to spread them out. Good luck trying to do that. But I think that's the key thing. I've started every first down and just say, okay, you want to be putting our five best defensive linemen out there, beat us and try to wear us down. And I think just, they play gap sound gap thing. They can stop taking on Barkley. Period. Yeah. Uh, people that watch this show know my thought on that. I mean, that's what makes the Eagles different than the Chargers or the Vikings or the 70 other teams that run this 
stupid scheme, which I don't like. But uh, they can bury the fronts very effectively. And when they stop you and turn first and 10 into second and long, third and long, known pass, as Jonathan Gannon likes to say, then you let the dogs loose, and that's where you get 70 sacks. And that's kind of what's happened uh, throughout the season. I think that Linval Joseph pickup, and and people hate when I say it, even Jordan Davis, before the injury, people forget before the injury, he was starting to come on. You need that player in this defense. You need that player. The Chargers don't have it. They had it a little bit with Linval. Um, the Vikings don't have it. The Eagles have it. And it's a big thing, even though it doesn't show up on the stat sheet. Yeah, and, we've got, and, and that's a crazy thing. You, you look at Dominic Sue. I mean, we've barely talked about him in the last couple. He's he's got his impact. Basically, he's playing more of a role play like, hey, I'm going to try to take up two offensive linemen and let's set up these other edge rushers. Playing that role, but he's doing it effective enough. And when you look at that, you get the refresher. You can't run up the middle, and you're forcing teams to go on the edge in the pursuit. I'll take that any day because I think as long as you play contain, you can do it the right way. And so, yeah, the five-man, they, they, I would definitely use it early and often. And I think they can have some success with it. It's just Giants, Giants on the offensive line, especially on the side of Evan Neal. Like I think they could, even if they wanted to pass for some Giants, decide they want to pass out of that. Yeah, I think the Giants, they Giants, Chris, they're going to be a problem in like two years. But you know, when Kayvon Thibodeau starts to get his feet underneath him and Evan Neal, those are really, really talented guys. But you know, they're going through those. Jim Schwartz used to call them startup costs. Those rookie startup costs. <laughs> When they start to get it, they're gonna they're gonna be a problem, the Giants, in a couple of years. But luckily, Saturday, Saturday, not a couple of years. All right, CF. Um, I think a key in this game, and it may be something that we don't even get a chance to deal with, is gonna be whether Avante Maddox plays or not. The Eagles are one and two in their last three games, and their one win was not awe inspiring over the Giants. And Avante Maddox didn't play in any of those three games. I think his importance to this defense is being undersold. And and Gardner Johnson did a nice job dropping down and filling in for him better than Josiah Scott did. But I want Gardner Johnson back at safety, where he might be able to come up with a big pick that could turn the game on Saturday. Are the Eagles going to play it closer to Vesh? Are you going to have no clue as to whether Maddox can play? Do you think they'll come out and tell you earlier in the week there's no Avante Maddox? What are the chances he actually plays for the Eagles on Saturday? That's been one of the tougher ones for me to try to get a straight answer on. I, I can't like he saw out the move and you see him. I don't, I'm not sure if he's going to play. I, I, I have no clue on that one. Too. I'm trying to get somebody telling you that. But you start to see, I think, in that Cowboys game early on, you saw what he brings to this defense. I mean, not only did you see him as a blitzer, not only you see him as a good run stuffer, he's obviously a good cover guy on the inside. And you don't have to – I don't know, shade of safety over toward his side or start to rotate the coverage over to try to shore up that spot when you got a, a good receiver moving into the slot. So, I mean, if they get him back, it's very, very key. I don't know. If I had to get this completely all speculation, this is nothing that I want to. I'd probably say it's 40%. I, I, I wouldn't count on it, but on this team, you've heard when it comes to injuries, you know, all of a sudden like, oh, wait, oh, he's pretty 21-day window open. And he's running around now again. Oh, great. <laughs> Something like that, but. Yeah, we see how important it is. I think Chauncey Gardner, I think for now, at least against this like the team, this Giants team, I think it can get hold you over. You're going to need them against the 49ers. Yes, yes. You're going to need them against them. Yeah. That's, that's, 
We just have too many guys to go that way too. Even if it's the Cowboys, I doubt they're going to beat them on the Cowboys or the Bucks. Who I doubt they're going to go out there and beat before whoever wins tonight. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, ultimately, I do think it's going to be Eagles 49ers, and it's going to be very important to have Avante back for that game. So I I think that would be more of my focus, and it is it's a concern. It would be it would be a big concern in that game because all of a sudden. I, I think you're right. If you have Chauncey playing that hybrid role, he can play safety and base and then go down in the slot, have Reed Blankenship come in. You're fine against the Giants. Against the 49ers, eh, I don't know. I don't know about that. That could be that could be an issue. Uh, but that's that's in the future. I did want to talk about Doug a little bit. Doug Peterson, third uh, largest comeback in NFL postseason history. Um, another feather in his cap. In a lot of ways, I want to throw that. I want to workshop this with you, Chris. I, I think right. it's the coaching version of the Stephon Diggs trade. They didn't trade, obviously, but from the perspective of, you know, it's very rarely when these things work out. And and the Bills got Diggs, who's tremendous, and the Vikings got Jefferson, who's tremendous. The Eagles got Nick Sirianni, who's tremendous, and the Jags got Doug Peterson who is tremendous. There's always acrimony in any divorce. You heard some of those whispers, Doug can't do this, Doug can't do that. Doug's pretty good, isn't he? He's all right. I mean, I remember my first season covering this beat was that 2020 year, and he looked like he was just frustrated. As the year, it like it really took his toll. And he, I think the he COVID just year, he's not – because he's a, he's a people guy. He, I think Zoom and MS teams killed him. You know, yeah. I think I think that killed him. Really, the pandemic year. And when you look at the way that he's got, you got to give him credit for what Jackson he did with Jacksonville. I think the Eagles needed the the Eagles needed somebody who was just like him in a way that um, I'm not using the word because I know he uses a lot when they're connected. I'm not using that word, but he's somebody who uh who's used to, who's a, a players coach in a way, somebody who but it could still be a disciplinarian at the time as well too, not let them basically run the the lunatics run the asylum. So I look at the guy. I look. I think it worked out perfectly for the Eagles when he got Sirianni. But I think whoever went to take that Jacksonville job was going to look a lot better than Urban Meyer because that was well, yeah. just That's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but to have a good experienced coach to rally those young guys around, they need they need some direction because you lost it. You basically you lost a year for a lot of those young players there, and you need somebody with a, who can not only basically relate to them in a way being a player, but somebody can show them it hey, is how you win the thing. And I think when you look at what Doug did, the, the Doug, to me, Dable and Doug are tied for coach of the year, but I look at the accomplishment, Doug won the division and Dable's a wild card team. Granted, you can see Eagles in that league, but Doug, Doug's, Doug won the division. So to me, to me, Doug is the coach of the year. I think when everything is said and done. But you're right. It's fair to say the phrase was never more fitting there was only one direction to go, but up from Jacksonville last year. So <laughs> Doug did have that going for him, but he's done a phenomenal job. I, I need a prediction out of you, Chris Franklin. Will it be you or one of your Eagle fellow beat reporters who asks Nick Sirianni this week, what level is Jalen Hurts at in his super human healing. Uh, he's gone there a couple of times and he played and then he was in so much pain. Jalen said it and the coach said it. We've been told he was basically superhero level healing 
Did that kick in? Will that kick in this week? Because I think it decides the game on Saturday. I think. Oh, I, I still laugh at that. It, it was. It was. It, it was funny, but I'm not like say, the rest of us humans. Okay, coach. From the planet Krypton, Jalen Hurts came by and was adopted by the Hurts net. Not say, but I'm looking at. Somebody's going to ask it. That's the program right now. Somebody's going to ask it, so I, it's oh, not going to be me. That, maybe that's to. Coach. He's going to tell you. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, that is that, that, is, is, is that, that oh, wrong? You asked that question. Yeah. <laughs> you have super healing powers. That's not the famous phone, is it, Chris? <laughs> Nick Nick made your phone famous. No, it's not this. I got this one right here. It's not that one at all. No, it's not that. Oh, that that, that was fun. But no, nah, I'm looking at Somebody's going to ask it. I have an idea. It might be one of the Philadelphia papers that asked that. It might be. It might. It might be the same. Well, not nah, that reporter who asked that is not usually on the zooms, but somebody's asking that. It ain't going to be me though, because like, all right, might, maybe off the answer. record, maybe off the record, but yeah, off the record, yeah, but I doubt it. it <laughs> maybe in a, maybe in a nicer, maybe in a nicer way. <laughs> All right, my my life at C Franklin News. First off, follow Chris on on Twitter. Read him at uh, nj.com, um, South Jersey Times, Lehigh Valley Live, Times of Trenton. He's all over the place. Uh, so wherever you are, you can read uh, Chris Franklin, um, and he does a tremendous job. Biggest beer coming up on Saturday night. I'm going to give you uh, three uh, potential. I'll throw four. Uh, Daniel Jones uh, having a similar game uh, as against the Vikings, throwing the ball, uh, dual threat, Jalen Hurts-like, uh, to, to put it. Saquon Barkley, ultimate talent. Dexter Lawrence dominates in the middle of that line defensively or the fact you're going to have to be up all Saturday night, at least it's Saturday night. Oh, that's a, yeah, I'm losing Saturday night. That's why, sure, that's the thing. I'm, like, I'm losing Saturday night. Like, I'm going to have my car. This is going out. No, that's the same thing. going to be up all night. I, usually, two, if it's 2 or 3 in the morning, I'm having a very good time, and I'm not yeah. usually covering in the press box. No offense being with you guys, but yeah. But no, nah, I'm looking at if that Saturday night's number one, but I think when it goes to the Giants players themselves, I think it's more uh, the Daniel Jones thing. That's the that's the only thing they got. I think they handle Bar- – like, yeah, I think the uh, – Kelsey will give them all the right protections, and I think the guards will play handle themselves very well. But it's it's definitely Daniel Jones taking off. But yeah, I'm missing my Saturday night. It could it'd be like the Cowboys have a keg of beer in there. That'd be great. What news for both you guys? Yeah. Suck it up. Do you see this thing? <laughs> I'm here today, okay? Every single Saturday night, I'm on the air till two o'clock in the morning. So both of you guys suck it up and get the job done like the Eagles should on Saturday night. Uh, Chris, great stuff. As always, my friend, go see who called. Check the uh, answering machine. Uh, hopefully it is Nick. And uh, text Johnny Mac if it wasn't. Say, oh, shoot, he was listening. He told me I better not ask that question McDonald asked you to ask. Uh, we appreciate you coming on board. Chris, always a pleasure. We'll talk to you again next week, my guy. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a good one now. That's Chris Franklin here with us on Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, coming back. You know what we're going to do? We're going to put a bow on the show. Stay here.
Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your social security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Stretch, a playoff week, Birds 365. We know it's Eagles-Giants on Saturday night. Much to John McMullen's chagrin, he's going to lose his Saturday night. Uh, I lose every Saturday night. Um, ancillary story, Johnny Mac, that you hope has no effect on this week whatsoever. And I'm pretty confident that it doesn't. Um, Eagles and their coaching staff, that coordinators being given a chance to interview for head coaching jobs, other positional coaches being given a job to interview for coordinator positions with other teams. We know Jonathan Gannon's line of you are where your feet are. Um, and hopefully that's the case. And he's focused and all the Eagle coaches are focused this week at the most important task at hand. That's beating the giants on a zero to 10 scale of concern that the Eagle coaching staff could be distracted this week. Where's your, where's your number at? Uh, 0.5. Um, it's just business as usual in the NFL. Um, yeah. Um, it's the way it works. Um, now the concern, (laughs) if they start losing guys, uh, really ramps up in the off season, but that's for the off season, because I think, you know, coaching attrition, we've lived through it here in Philadelphia in the past. You see what happens, you know, Andy, you can go all the way back to Andy Reid, his first mm-hmm. coaching staff, uh, but also Doug with uh, Frank Reich and John DiFilippo right after the Super Bowl. All of a sudden, that 
that attrition starts and it's difficult to replace those guys. And by the way, it's not only Jonathan Gannon, it's Shane Steichen, Kevin Petullo, uh, Jets are interested. Now I think they're going to go after Daryl Bevel, but you know, yeah, nonetheless, Brian Johnson's been rumored to sort of be hooked up with a number of potential offensive coordinator openings, Steve Wilkes and Carolina being one of them. Um, and, 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 uh, Denard Wilson in Cleveland. So, right. um, you know, uh, the barbarians are at the gate. I, I, I wrote when it comes to the Eagles coaching staff and that's how this league works when you have success and it's only going to get worse if they finish this thing, uh, for the patient teams, at least it's only going to get worse. Right. And my thought has always been, listen, uh, it's part of the price of doing business. If you're going to be good, you're going to make a Super Bowl run, you could potentially have a parade. Yeah, there's a price to pay. Your, your coaching staff is going to get raided. But I always have concerns about guys who've never done it before. Now, Gannon did last year. So I have less concern about him, but this is Steichen's first time of having to split his attention. The underlings we talked about, uh, the positional coaches who have coordinator potential meetings. You never know. Even even if you tell yourself that you're not going to be distracted, you don't know until you're in that moment. And for a bunch of these guys, it's the first time they've ever faced that. Uh, so I, I think it's something worth keeping an eye on. Um, hopefully it is has no effect on Saturday's game uh, against the Giants coming up for the Birds. I partner, uh, your, your buddy, your partner, Rocky Raccoon, is going to be back there tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to look any better. Um, my wife actually offered to lend me some makeup if I wanted to go there. And I said, no, I'm wearing my tough guy. Yeah, you got a tough guy. Yeah, you got to be the tough. You got to fight through. It's the playoffs. I agree with your uh, decision there, Jody. Uh, didn't, didn't go to the makeup route. I will not have it on tomorrow either. But I will be back here, as will you. Right, party? you be here with me? And uh... I will do short week. Uh, Tuesday is Wednesday. Wednesday's Thursday. Uh, Thursday is Friday. So Eagles moving everything up. Uh uh, yeah, short week. Let's get it going. That's uh, right. Eagles Giants week number three. Ooh, uh, can't beat a team can't, three can't times. Beat I heard team that three somewhere. times in one week. Oh, yeah. except you can. And we'll continue <laughs> to hammer that all week. Uh, McMullen and McDonald will be back right here on Birds 365 in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.